0: Well, hello and welcome back to Let's Take It From The Top. Whether you are brand new to this podcast or if you've listened to all bajillion episodes, I am still your host, Hallie Master Oberadino, and I am very glad that you are here. Today, we are once again covering the subject of being a swing, but this time we are covering it with one of my very, very good friends, Emma Hearn. Emma grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and attended college at Texas State University for musical theater. While Emma was in school, she got to play some dream roles, including Mother in Ragtime and Cassie in A Chorus Line. You can find clips of Emma performing in those shows on YouTube, and I highly recommend you do so. Since then, Emma has been in many shows, including playing Sandy in Greece at the Pioneer Theater and touring the country with the National Tour of Cats as Bamballerina. Today, Emma is going to take us through her journey of booking her very first Broadway show, Diana. Emma was cast as a swing, covering all six ensemble women as well as covering Diana. Emma is going to throw some truth bombs at us today, people, so buckle on up and get ready to learn what it really takes to be one of the most important parts of the puzzle in a Broadway show, The Swing. Without further ado, here's Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, Hallie. How are you? Doing okay. Doing okay, yeah. So nice to see your face. Yeah, I, I was thinking about the last time that we saw each other in person, and it was approximately exactly a year ago from when we are recording this. I think.
1: Really? Wait, <laughs> where where was it? I
0: think so. I was in rehearsal for seesaw, and you were in rehearsal for Diana, and yes. we met up that one night at your apartment.
1: Oh yes, yes. But then I, I saw you. Pizza. But I saw you in seesaw. So I guess a little after that. But yes, that yeah around this time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> it's weird. I'm thinking of the same thing as I catch up with like other friends. I'm like, oh, when's the last time I saw you? And it's weird that we're at the point of like, oh, it's been a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Where do you find yourself
1: now? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Philly at my dad's house here. I grew up in Philly and my dad lives here. My mom lives in Iowa and throughout quarantine. I started in Iowa with my mom because we could kind of be in the middle of nowhere and not be around anyone, Mm -hmm. and also because my dad's a little older that we didn't want to be coming straight from uh, where we had been. My sister and I had been exposed to a lot of different people and didn't want to put him at risk at all. So uh, since about late August, I've been back in Philly with my dad, so yeah.
0: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I am so excited that you're here today. I have wanted to sit down and chat with you about your experience that you're gonna share with us. So before we jump in, Mm -hmm. okay, I think we are ready. Let's take it from the top. So Emma, let's take it back. So today we are discussing you making your Broadway debut, but I know in order to get there, we sort of have to rewind a little bit. So why don't you go ahead and explain how Diana kind of came across your radar and how that all began?
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. So the first time I actually went in for Diana was when it was at, uh, when I was going to La Jolla in California and uh, they were doing their sort of -of out-of-town tryout. And I came in then, it was now two years ago in January. It was a last minute dance call for a replacement swing. And I went to the dance call. I remember seeing a bunch of my guy friends in uh, the previous dance call, and they were all dripping with sweat like, oh my God, that was so hard. And uh, you know, <laughs> you just see, like, you're your heart goes to your throat and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to get out of this um, alive. But uh, it was so fun. Got cut in the first round. They made it very clear. It was it was for Kelly Devine and she made it very clear that uh, they were looking for something very specific since it was replacing a swing. So I uh, got cut in the first round, had a blast, but didn't think about it really much again. And then that summer of 2019, I was in texas i think and i got called in to submit for they were doing a lab uh they were reworking new material and they needed um i think it was female ensemble and potential diana cover but i was never asked to sing any diana stuff it was just female ensemble sang the material and uh didn't hear anything back (laughs) and didn't think about it again. And then about a month later, I left to go on tour with uh, the first national tour of Cats and was on tour for a few months. It was my first time being out on tour. So there were a lot of firsts there and big learning curves. And I was a replacement. So I had to learn how to come into a show that was already established and is so specific because you never leave the stage during cats mm-hmm. and there, uh, there are no numbers on the stage. It's all just basically like a big map on the deck. And so it was very, um, stressful at first, but I was one of the first replacements. So it was mainly the original cast, which was really easy to learn from cause they had been a well oiled machine by then. So, um, that was my first time replacing, and kind of got my feet wet um, into later uh, what I would be auditioning for for Diana, uh, which came around, uh, let's see, I left about mid-August for Cats, and I think by mid-October is when my agents reached out to me and had said, hey, they're looking for a Diana cover for Broadway, and they think that you would be a great fit for it and I was like okay uh when is it planning to come to Broadway because I was on a six-month contract with Cats Mm -hmm. and they had said rehearsals start uh towards the end of January and previews start beginning of March and I was like well my contract for Cats is through like mid-March like how is that possible that's I'll never be able to get out of this contract to be able to do that or you know get out of it sounds like I needed to get out of it but I I, (laughs) um I just mean that technically I was like, Oh, I'm contractually bound to this. I don't want to audition for something that I wouldn't actually be able to be considered for. And then just make it more frustrating. Right. Podcasting. Um, so, uh, they were like, you know what, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I had submitted, we were in Houston, Texas, um, on tour. And in between, our, we had so many rehearsals because we had new replacements coming in so we had tons of rehearsals during the day and then obviously shows at night and so tried to find a time where i could squeeze in <laughs> recording a self-tape and uh obviously when submitting diana material because she's a real was a real person um there's a lot of research that goes into that and so mm-hmm. trying to find time to do all of that on tour um uh, but I submitted the self-tape, and I think I remember them getting back to me and saying, you know what, we actually found our ensemble Diana cover. We're looking for a swing Diana cover now. And I said, okay. And uh, I have never swung before, and I remember talking to my agent being like, I I don't know if that's something I'd be capable of, um, and I feel like the stakes are so high <laughs> mm-hmm. to try it out for the first time uh, on Broadway. And he was like, you know what, we lose nothing by submitting you for it. They've been looking and looking for this track for quite some time and have not found the right sort of balance of Kelly Devine, the choreographer, was really requiring the swing track to be a dance a dancer and um, since they only had two female swings. And uh, Chris Ashley, the director, really wanted the swing to be able to convincingly act the part of Diana. And uh, Ian Eisendrath really wanted, he's our music supervisor, Um, and uh, David Bryan, our composer, they really were requiring someone to be able to sing the rock score that Diana sings. So that kind of unicorn of of three elements, uh, they were really struggling with. And uh, somehow uh, Rachel Hoffman had reached out to my agent being like, I know Emma's perfect for this she's got to submit. And they had said, well, she's contractually bound. And then I, they were like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Just submit. So I did. And uh, when we were in Nashville, I resent in tapes. I wasn't able to fly back to see any of the creative team. And uh, so that was a bit of a, you know, it's like, okay, I, I don't know what the notes are that they are giving. I don't have an energy. They don't know me very well at all. So, A little anxious about all that, but then um, finally, we had enough back and forth of resubmitting self-tapes with notes and everything. And then when I was in uh, Toronto during the holidays of 2019, um, I flew back to um, New York for a final callback and uh, literally had finished an eight-show week in Toronto at the Princess of Wales Theatre. Flew back to New York for the day on Monday, our, our day off in the morning, had a work session with Rachel Hoffman and the, you know, midday, then had a dance call early evening, and then my final call back right after that, and um, after I left the room, uh, Christopher Ashley had come out and had asked me to come back inside, and he realized I had started taking my heels off and was in, like, half snow boot, half <laughs> heels, uh you know the the most glamorous look in the winter (laughs) for Mm -hmm. auditions um and so he he graciously kept me in the hallway versus embarrassing me bringing me back into the room full of like 20 people um uh and had asked me you know how I would feel about making my Broadway debut uh in Diana and uh my heart sank to my stomach I just did not I could not believe that was real It, it um Yeah, I I think, honestly, what played so much into my confidence, I think, in that final callback was that I had gone back and forth so many times, and I had already had a job. Like, I was already employed in a job that Cats was, like, my dream show from the time I was three years old. It was the first Broadway show I saw. I knew every word, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Bombay Arena was a dream role of mine, so the fact that I got to be playing that on tour with Andy Blankenbuehler choreography like it was just sort of like a a ideal situation so I think that I lowered the stakes for myself going into that final callback Mm -hmm. and uh which isn't often that you get to do that right it's usually like oh my god I'm so close high stakes high stakes and then you like choke in the room because you get so nervous that that you know oh you're so right for it or you're so not and you're trying to be you're trying not to be you know and I think that um the way the stars aligned that day i just kind of went at it with i'm going to give it everything i have and uh ultimately if i'm right for it i'm right for it and if i'm not this is going to be a beast to take on so i definitely <laughs> don't want to get it if i'm not the one that's that's right for it you know so yeah. to to kind of get all that information <laughs> on a day off and then have to fly back and do eight more shows of uh cats was um uh, pretty pretty wild and i wasn't able I wasn't allowed to tell anyone or say anything because everything had to be worked out amongst creative teams, uh, and, and general managers and whatnot, because even though I had been offered the part, if they weren't going to let me out of the contract for cats, then, um, no dice. So, um, we were hopeful, but luckily the whole team at at cats wrote a really wonderful email, just congratulating me and, you know, saying, we don't want to get in the way of any career move. And so we support you 100%. I'm so grateful that, you know, you got to be a part of this. So I kind of had, I had sat on it for a week while hearing back from the creative team and negotiating contracts and whatnot. And there had been a release on Playbill, like with a breakdown for my role in cats. And that's when people started getting a sense and they're like, why are you leaving? Blah, blah blah Like, are you leaving? And I was like, you know, everyone knew that it was a dream show of mine. So they were like, why would you be leaving? Right. <laughs> I was like, oh God, I feel so uncomfortable. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I finished an eight show week in Boston uh, in mid January, finished on January 19th, flew back to New York on January 20th at 7am with my sister. And she took my suitcases back to the apartment and I went straight to day one of rehearsal for Diana and I was one of only only a handful of new people to be joining Diana uh, since so many people had come from different iterations of the show you know whether it was labs and workshops over the years or the La Jolla production most people had come from at least one if not all or multiple versions of the show and I was a newcomer and was covering all six ensemble uh, female ensemble roles and Diana and uh to say that I was intimidated walking in that first day is the biggest understatement
0: I'm sure yeah that's really awesome Emma I think it's so funny because I took like a little break from recording episodes and the last few that I've done have been all very unique situations but that idea of what you were talking about of this of not not having the stakes being so high for yourself simply because of other things going on in your life is something that when people talk about the big jobs that they've booked a lot of the times they'll be like i was so busy with work or i was in this other show i was here i was there that i wasn't even like focused on it and then all of a sudden it is offered to you and it's like explosion like right
1: (laughs) and i think for right and for for me for both cats and diana i had auditioned for both of those shows a year prior to actually ever booking it so i think that in my mind since i had gone in for diana several times in different versions actually both versions of what i ended up doing now in the show
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and not making it past even the first round is is hilarious and like an, an amazing testament to like timing is everything and everything in its own time
0: because there is so much of we have no idea <laughs> you have no idea like who's right. rooting for you who's going to remember you a month from the time you audition a year from the time you audition i think right that's awesome yeah. <laughs> that's very cool yeah So, M, I have a quick question about your audition process for Diana. If you yeah. can just kind of explain. So I know you mentioned you sent in tapes and you would get notes. Can you explain that? Mm-hmm. Because I think like as someone, if, if you've never gone through that experience before, it's like, how does that work? What does that mean? Did you have to do like the same material and they would give you feedback and then you make adjustments as if you were in the room with them and you sort of send tapes back and forth? Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it was it was unique for me to in terms of self tapes, because um, I had been living in New York previous, uh, prior to the national tour. And obviously, anytime you get notes from a director or from an associate director, it's in the room in real time. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was my first time being on the road and, and having to apply notes virtually. And I never was in contact with the director directly. <laughs> So Chris Ashley and I never met until my final call back, but I was getting feedback from Rachel Hoffman and I was sending in one version and then her being like, great. So what they're really taking to in the room is X, Y, and Z. And what had been really helpful is that the other young woman who is the other uh, Diana cover, her name is Austin Daniel Boomer. And she's like, one of our best friends in the show now which is funny um but since she had just been cast they had she she's in the ensemble and covers diana and uh since they had just uh offered her that track they were really pretty clear on the qualities and the energy and the vibe that they were going for which can be difficult after you've already cast your principle of like okay well who's who else is going to be able to have similar qualities, but they're going to be a different interpretation because innately they're a different person. And I think because Austin had already been cast, that they were like, okay, these are now the distilled qualities that we have figured out, that we are drawn to in the room. Uh, And Rachel was really helpful in trying to relay that to me of like, okay, it's it's a coy energy, but it's a knowing and it's a blah, 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 and it's this. And I think also the challenging part so our show covers Diana from the age of 19 to the day she dies at 36, which is a pretty big span of, of time. Yeah. And um, end of her journey and sort of growing up. And so the two scenes I was given for that callback was the first time we see her at 19 and the very end of the show um, at age 35. And to try to convey two very different energies without any direct feedback in real time it it sort of elapsed over a couple weeks which i only remember because of the cities we were in on tour Mm -hmm. of like oh i remember that happened in houston and then we were in mcallen texas and then we went to nashville and then toronto and so i remember the specific notes that happened uh per city but yeah it was sort of just like it's like what would happen in the room just via email or phone call over the course of a couple weeks you know And it had a lot to do with when I was going to have time to film and they wanted me to put, put any dance, uh, call stuff on tape and we had no studio space Mm -hmm. and I wasn't about to do it on the set (laughs) of (laughs) cats. I was like, Oh God. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that totally answers your question, but it was, it was mainly feedback from Rachel of any information, uh, that she was gathering that the creative team was really taking too from other people that had come in for the other Diana cover track.
0: Cool, that's very cool. You definitely answered the question, yeah. It's, okay. it's just interesting to hear different experiences with that and like who exactly you were in communication with, that it wasn't the director and it wasn't the choreographer, whoever. Right, right. there. That's interesting. Awesome. So, M, let's jump into rehearsal. What was it like swinging? Did you come up with your own swing formula? I know we've talked to Sarah. Meal came on and spoke about swinging. Kiss me, Kate. And so, I'm curious to know what you, what your method was in the room.
1: In theory, going into day one of rehearsal, I was like, I actually think the way that I compartmentalize things, and I. I'm like hyper-organized, I color code everything, I love filing. I was like, oh, like this might actually be a wonderful melding of two things I love of like hyper-organization and the creative element of like acting and performing, which doesn't always intersect, right? Like they don't, those two things usually don't overlap. Right. I was like, this might be kind of a wonderful opportunity uh, to do that. And so uh, I think I had I wouldn't say high expectations, but I had higher hopes, I think, for what I was going to be able to do as a swing. And uh, uh, it left a bit to be desired for me mm-hmm. um, in terms of my ability initially. I think that I was, there was so much information coming in. And I think, so swinging is going to be different for a revival versus a new musical. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are just certain set elements of a revival, right? Like the material is not going to change. The interpretation of it will. So maybe maybe you'll be able to restructure some parts of the show or it's a different interpretation or whatnot. But ultimately, the material is not going to change in a, in a revival. Right. Um, in a new musical, the material is constantly changing. And that is 100% the most difficult part. I was covering, like I said, six tracks plus Diana. And uh, we were told within the first week, uh, me and the other female swing, Shay Hopkins, she and I, they, they sort of divvied up our priorities of like, okay, Shay, you take the dance tracks, Emmett, you take um, the singer tracks and Diana. So we kind of split it up that way in terms of um, prioritizing where your eyes should go in the room yes. and um, but everything that we were starting with was dance. And they were starting with all the dance numbers and some of those, uh, there are like two, they call them singer tracks, it's mainly because one covers Diana and one covers the queen. Mm -hmm. And so, while both of them move very well, um, those tracks were kind of created uh, where they don't have to be as as good of a dancer as as those two women are. Um, So their tracks in terms of the dance numbers, um, are, are less than the four other dance tracks. Mm-hmm. But we started with all the dance numbers, and I was like, well, I'm not, not going to learn the dances, right? Like, I'm not, right. not going to, like, watch this. So I was learning the dance tracks, and I was trying to figure out if I, you know... Do I get up and learn the dance? Do I sit here and watch the traffic first? And, what you know, because I was brand new coming into it, I didn't know which area to start in. And versus the other female swing, Shay, she had done the production at La Jolla. She was in the ensemble and... Uh, had done several other labs since then so she was very familiar with the choreography and any changes that were made she was able to make a little bit faster since she had context for it yeah and uh, I remember being really intimidated because I was like oh my god I can't I can't I'm doing halfsies on both and neither are sticking and it was really overwhelming it was it was constantly wherever I would turn my focus within minutes they'd be like okay so and so is going uh to a costume fitting for the next hour and a half Emma can you step in for them and I'm like uh okay or I was um I would say a, a vast majority of the time uh when we were in rehearsals we were split into two rooms of principals working on scenes and ensemble working on dance numbers mm-hmm. and so I wasn't able to sit in on the principal scenes to see kind of any context they were giving to the material, uh, for Diana. Right. But I was, uh, in the dance rooms, usually standing in for Diana, singing the material, uh, speaking the lines that are in context of the songs, uh, and not able to really watch the ensemble that was happening around me because they were teaching me blocking for Diana. You know, it was just this the whole time I'm, patting my head and <laughs> rubbing my stomach too. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, the whole time of like me trying to make sure I'm hitting my mark correctly to to give structure to the rest of the dance number. Because if Gina, uh, who plays Diana, if she comes in and she does the blocking and I, it's different than what I've been doing, uh, she's gonna get a camera to the face or a trench coat whipped in her face. You know, like there's a lot of technicality to those things that cost me so much stress. But luckily, I think I tried to just take it day by day, which um, for any new swing peeps, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, it helped that I was with, there are four swings in Diana, and they're all vets. And two of which had been on Broadway several times as swings, one of which was also making her Broadway debut, but had been a swing before. I took as much information from them as I could and as much guidance um, as I could. And we all four had very different methods. One decided to, they would film everything. And they would film at the end of the day when it was that version of the day that they had concluded on. And that worked most of the time and was really helpful to have that archival material to like look back on if we had to step in real quick. But throughout the day, it'd be challenging if we didn't have footage that was up to date for us to step into immediately. So there were good pros and cons to, to that. And then there was um, our dance captain who put everything on his computer. Had, he has swung uh, and dance captain before. So he's very familiar with how he wanted to structure things there. Um, our, the other female swing, she had everything written down, like handwritten on pieces of paper with the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the stage, like a picture of the stage. Why not mm-hmm. blanking on? Uh, anyway. She would handwrite things and then i used my ipad and color-coded things and uh so all four of those versions combined were sort of like the perfect mix of like okay i need th- a little bit of this a little bit of this and then give this context with this you know mm-hmm. and um i to this day like i don't know if i i ever really figured it out and i think that because we were however many weeks into the process you know we were just shy of two months and we were in the middle of previews where things were still changing every day you know we were having rehearsals during the day with we had i mean like minimally 20 different versions of this one song and it was i stopped writing anything down for it because i was like you know what i can't i actually can't watch this number until you've decided on something so i can't you know i i Once we got into, like, the theater itself uh, to start tech rehearsals, I basically threw out everything I had had because everything changed. And our other swings knew that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it'll change. But it'll be like, I can just edit it on my iPad. It'll be fine. And no, there was no editing to be had. It was (laughs) wrap it all, start again. And, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, you know... I don't think I ever got to a point of feeling like settled and confident because we hadn't got into any understudy rehearsals or any swing rehearsals. We had a bit of a scare one of our first couple previews where one of our leading women had a bit of a fluke accident and uh, with her sinuses and had to call out for a show, and we had not had understudy rehearsal and. Luckily, the two women that cover the tracks that needed to be covered had both been in the La Jolla production, and they figured it out with, like, two hours' notice before the show that night. Um, is that right? They tried to put it together. We had to cancel that show. That's what it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, we, but what we did that night is that we did, like, basically um, a put-in rehearsal for them all mm-hmm. instead of the show, and then we did the show the next day with both of them in it. But it was wow. so stressful because my heart sank. They were two tracks that I don't cover randomly. And I was so nervous because I was like, I think if I were put in that situation, I would not be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. I felt like the, the way scheduling wise the show Broadway is is set up in terms of like when rehearsals actually start for understudies um, is after opening, you know, and mm-hmm. that's a month of previews where anything can happen. And we never stepped foot on the stage. Um, we just didn't really have time for that. There was, you know, that that's how it is during tech. And yeah. uh, that's really stressful. We had a big trap door in the middle of, of the stage and um, we had some issues with it originally and luckily got them solved, but it was scary. And to be like, oh, I've never stepped on stage where the floor drops out from under you. And I hope that I don't step in the big gaping hole, you know? right? Uh, it's, uh Uh, scary. And it's very easy to psych yourself out. And I definitely did. And I think that by the time we hit the shutdown, I, to be honest, took a deep breath and was like, you know what, I'm going to come back in a month and I'm going to know all of these parts so damn well. And, um, you know, like, I'll reorganize my book. And even though we're going back into previews, (laughs) probably all change again. (laughs) I'm going to know what we're doing. You know, it just felt like I couldn't get my feet under me. There was just constant overhauls which i just don't think i was expecting i was expecting changes to be made absolutely but um i think not to the extent of like reordering things and completely scrapping the first 20 minutes of the show and rewriting it and implementing it that night you know it was just like ah! yeah. <laughs> you know was um,
0: crazy and it's funny because it's making me think of like those summer stock moments where You don't have as long of an amount of time, and you are in tech, which is only a couple of days, and all of a sudden you're reworking the end of this number, and they change your spot, and then you have to continue doing what you're doing, but then you go off stage, and you're like, oh, wait, what did that just change to? I have no idea. It's it's that, like, juggling game, but... And, and like you said, in this case, this new brand new show, right? It's not a show that you're familiar with the music and that mm-hmm. you, you've heard uh, over and over again. It is this brand new thing. I, I mean, oof, I can't even imagine, but it's funny because even, so I was doing seesaw around the same time mm-hmm. as, as you were doing Diana and, that show is one that I don't know very well. And when I tell you, all of us, we, we were only, we ran for like two weeks. I had my like track written out and it was on my dressing room station for the two weeks of the show. Right. I don't think I, like you said, like having your feet underneath you, I was always like double checking and, and like second guessing Right. which side of the stage I entered from like no exactly things. so
1: exactly
0: I can, yeah I can't even I, imagine like, not being able to get get up there and and give it a go and that's interesting about the understudy rehearsals that they don't really happen until later on that is fascinating
1: because our days are spent during previews you know we rehearse from 12 to 5 and then come back at 7 or 7.30, depending on when half hour is, and then you're implementing the changes. And I was hoarding all of the lists of changes. Like, I, I still have the pile in my closet, you know? <laughs> like, I'm terrified that I'm like, well, I'll need all of these. I'll need to know every version that we had, because what if we go back to them, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, I need to throw them out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it, but it is, it is stressful, and it is an element that, I think you think that you'll be set up for success no matter what. And, and I mean this to give credit to all of the swings out there of like, I, I don't know if everyone feels this way, but I think there's definitely an element of, you think that you will never be put in a position where someone will make you do something before you're ready. Right. You're like, they're not going to make me go on before I'm ready because that would be at a disservice to everyone. Right. And to be honest, it's just not the case. And it's not because they don't care. It's not because they're not trying to take care of everyone. It's because it's a lot of money online and you're paid to know it. And even if it means a 30 minute walkthrough of a track on the stage, that is it. Right. And I, I've been trying to brainstorm over this time of like, what methodology would work best for me as a swing, where it would remove some of the stress of needing to know everything right now, ASAP? When there's there is no way to know everything in real time as it's happening. When you cover that many tracks, there's just no way to do it, unless maybe you're you're superhuman like Sarah Miel. Um but uh, and I don't know her personal experience, but um, but but you know, there's there's no way to know it all. So to give yourself grace and. Luckily, I had like the most supportive cast members that I had a bit of a breakdown one day in rehearsal where we had, I can't remember what news outlet was coming, but they were coming in to film like the opening um, 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, to kind of give them, like a little preview, like on a, on a morning, you know, not good morning in America, but like something like that. Yeah. And um, they were coming in and... We, we had one female cast member who had a family emergency and was out for a week. And so the other female swing was her first cover. And so she was in for her the whole week, which meant that if anyone else was out, had a costume fitting, had a, a dialect session, um, was in another scene where they were working in another room, any of those other, it was a, it was all on me, no matter if it was the first cover or second cover for me, right? And I remember being, that was a pretty stressful week. But I was like, okay, I I at least know where I'm focusing now. I know I don't have to focus on that track. I know I don't have to focus on that track, blah, 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 whatever. Where am I going with this? Oh, yeah, when I broke down. (laughs) Um, uh, I had allowed myself to be overwhelmed that week and then, like, finally got myself together and had to step in for um, the other female swing. She was in a costume fitting. And I stepped into that one track that I thought I wasn't going to have to go in for that whole week. <laughs> stepped in for that track and uh, was okay because we were doing one of the walkier songs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out and people can shove with love and no one's going to get hurt. And her costume fitting went way longer than they expected. And the news outlet had come. And they were getting all set up and their cameras getting set up and everything like that. And they were like, all right, we're going to set for the top of the show. And I was like, oh, dear God, I have never stepped through any of these opening numbers in this track or in any of these tracks. And everyone wears these big trench coats and big cameras around their necks. And they smack around if you don't really get to handle it. And you don't have, um, you know, if, if you've not been on your feet in that moment. Right. So I was terrified. And I kept asking stage managers, I'm like, is Shay coming back? Like, is she you know, she's she's still in her costume fitting, like, is there, I'm like, I just don't want this to be an unsafe run for anyone, because I haven't been, I haven't walked through any of it, and it's gonna be caught on tape to be put on in the morning, and I was like, no one needs to see me doing that, making a fool of myself in the show at, like, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning, so um, I remember we, they were like, she's supposed to be coming back, hopefully you'll just have to do the opening and then she'll be back in for the for the dance number. And I was like, okay, so I could do the opening. I got through the opening. It's just walking, walking, walking. Mm-hmm. I got through it. It was fine. I took a deep breath and she still wasn't there. And I was looking at this number going by and it was like, okay, I guess I better put on knee pads and trench coat and a camera with none of which had been on my body before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, am I about to go in? And everyone was kind of looking at me being like, are they really gonna make her do this? Or like, do they not realize that she has to go in for this and she's not walked through any of this, this is gonna be scary. I like took a deep breath, looked up and like, was like, please God help me. And (laughs) I went to make the entrance to start the number and maybe 15 to 20 seconds in the number moved so fast. And I realized that I was gonna be more harm than good being in there. I would rather there just be a hole than someone getting hurt and so I like decided to make the executive decision to just step out and I was beside myself like I t- kept it together until they finished the number and then tried to figure out if I could step into the next number and luckily Shay came back in time but I we like left to go on lunch break after that and I lived only a couple blocks away I went home my sister was there and I like broke down crying being like how am I ever gonna figure this out? How am I ever gonna do this? Who thought I was capable of this? No one auditioned me to be a swing. They only auditioned me to be a Diana cover. And I feel like I'm just swimming in crap. Like I'm just, I cannot figure it out. Will I ever figure it out? You know, existential crisis when you, <laughs> when you step out of a dance number <laughs> yeah. that type of energy. <laughs> and I, I, you know, luckily my sister was, helpful and just calmed me down and was like you know what no one would have put you in this position unless they thought you could do it so you can do it figure it out and I was like okay so went back to rehearsal like wiped away my tears I like got in the elevator to go back upstairs at noon 42 and right as the doors were closing Kelly Devine like puts her hand in the door to like you know get on the elevator it was just the two of us and I'm standing in the corner and I Get so anxious. She's so wonderfully nice. It uh, wasn't her. It was me projecting that like I had been a failure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she turned to me and was like, Hey, I just want you to know that I am so sorry that you were put in that position. Things were moving faster than we were paying attention and you should never have been put in that position. And I so appreciate you stepping in, but please know that like your safety is, is important. And, and, you know, I apologize that you were put in that position that you had to do that. And of course, as soon as she like said that and was like, and she had said, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, this is an impossible job. It's impossible. And you have to give yourself, you know, some credit and know that like, you're doing a great job. And I was like, broke down crying. I was like, (laughs) and um, (laughs) I was like, damn it, I had just pulled myself together. <laughs> and, um, uh, but it was what I needed to hear clearly in that moment of like, you know what, you did the right thing. You stepped out because we didn't have time to put you into that number. You should never have been put in that position. And uh, <laughs> this, I feel like the quintessential experience of a swing of like, mostly failing forward, right? Like mm-hmm. it, during this whole time, I've just like sort of thought about, you know, if I actually think that I would want it to be a swing again on a different experience. And uh, I think that I can't really assess that right now because I didn't get to the point of, I think where I would have flourished more of having some rehearsals under my belt, being on the stage a few more times and being in costumes. So much of our show were quick changes as are Sony Broadway shows. And the long acre is a very tiny theater very, very tiny backstage and there was no room for anything. So there was nowhere for me to stand backstage to track anyone's traffic back there. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just sort of like ask any cast member when they have a moment and don't disrupt them while they're eating because that's their only time of the day that's (laughs) theirs, you know? Um, uh, But luckily all the women are so generous and they like either wrote down their tracking or backstage or, or whatnot for me to like look over. But I don't think I got to the point where I like, would have thrived more of like not having to do the show eight times a week, but getting to exercise a part of my brain of doing different parts and, and different um, tracks and uh, challenging myself in new ways, not getting stuck in, in one track the whole time. So much of my experience with cats doing that show eight times a week, while I loved dancing that show, it created some chronic problems in my body of, because I was always sinking into the one hip or always leaning on this one arm and one shoulder I had, you know, it's like, when you do the same thing eight times a week, those, those things become chronic (laughs) issues uh, or strengths in your body Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, a million fan uh, kicks on the right. So that's looking great. You know, Uh, (laughs) but the left, you know, it's, it's, um, doing the same thing eight times a week can be harsh on the body. And I think that the wonderful element of being a swing is that you, you don't get bored with any one track. There are, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that like 99% of Broadway performers are underutilized in their shows because they are hired for whatever niche element they were able to bring to the table that the creative team was needing. And they kill that one thing, but they only get to do that one thing eight times a week. And maybe they're an amazing dancer and love, um, you know, love dance, but they're in a featured singer track and they don't really get to dance or whatever, um, whatever, whatever it may be. The awesome thing about being a swing is that you were hired because the expectation is that you can do any of that. Right. And, and that's a great honor to be able to be like, wow, I, I could do any of those tracks individually. And it's exciting that at any given moment I could step into one of those, um, So I I look forward to that day where I actually know what I'm doing and I'm able to to sink into it a bit more and and trust myself, you know? Definitely.
0: I have to thank you, Emma, for coming on and being so honest because I think a lot of the times the swings and the understudies, it's like the unsung hero kind of thing. They Mm. tend to be learning off to the side or in not on stage in the audience but you are continually like your brain is a constant constantly at work and and like the situation you said of being thrown into that number like you have to almost be your your own like have agency for yourself as well as for the people around you and the show right the literal entire thing and unless you have been in in those shoes of the swing or the understudy or the standby or that kind of thing you have no idea of of what that's like and so i thank you so much for sharing your honest experience because i think I know me personally, and and I said this talking to Sarah, uh, like swinging is something that I could totally see myself doing, but I have never had the chance to do. I have Mm -hmm. understudied before and have very, have had similar experiences to what you just said of Mm. having it feel like sometimes the the team is just like, Oh, Hallie, go, go ahead. And you're like, I, I, I have never done this. I have, right. <laughs> I right. don't know exactly right. what to do, where to go, but okay. Right? right. And and you're able to, to overcome your own like imposter syndrome brain. 100%. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: And that takes yeah. a strength that is unlike any other kind. So kudos to you That's and, kind. and all the swings and, and people of the sort out there. Cause yeah.
1: it takes if any swings are out there listening and you have advice please feel free (laughs) to reach out to me i am all ears i i am the first to say that i like i'm just barely figuring out what works for me and and i never you know i never made my debut i never got to that point so i never i can count on one hand the amount of times i actually even got to step on the stage uh so you know, I didn't get to put anything in the practice is what I mean, in terms of actually letting it sink into my body and put it in context of other people and not getting terrified <laughs> being right. next to other people. Um, yeah, I, I I can't say I can't even say what works or not yet for me. I, I, I look forward to that day. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: And so I guess I'm just the last question of, like, checking in. Do you know any plans for the future for Diana or anything else you've got going on that you want to share with
1: the listeners out there? I I mean, I know just about as much as the next person. Uh, Our our producers have been wonderful in trying to create opportunities for us uh, throughout this time. Um, Back in June, we did a a month-long lab where they rewrote, like, 35 to 40 minutes of the show and we were implementing it via zoom and at that point you know in June we weren't sure we were hoping that probably would come back by the fall and so they wanted to kind of like touch base on some things work on some new material and that was great to be in a room with people in a zoom room (laughs) Mm -hmm. with people um and dancing in my living room you know but uh In late summer, early fall, we were able to um, record a cast album and we filmed our show for Netflix, which was super exciting and a conversation for another time because I could go (laughs) on and on apparently about everything. But um, very interesting and challenging experience revisiting a show we hadn't been with for much longer time than we were actually with in, in January, or, you know, from January to March yeah. um, and revisiting it with all of the changes and everything. But, but our producers were great in, in creating those experiences and opportunities for us to work creatively and make money. And mm-hmm. um, now we're just not really sure. We don't know when, when it's coming out on Netflix uh, or the cast album, but hopefully, hopefully sometime soon. <laughs> and yeah. uh uh, I didn't actually get to be on the filmed recording of it, but um, but was there through the the whole experience. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, we were we've been told that we're coming back to Broadway whenever that happens, but I think it'll just kind of depend on the rollout of shows and how it all is gonna work in in a safe way. So, I don't know, i'm I'm hopeful, but um, you know, We'll see. <laughs> yeah,
0: we will see. And I'm so excited to, to see what happens and no matter what, we know that you'll you'll make it to your Broadway debut very soon, I'm sure Em. So Thanks.
1: That's very nice, Holly. Thank you.
0: Of course. And thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your story. This has been awesome. Sure, I'm sending thank you, you for having me. <laughs> of course. I'm sending you lots of love and We'll talk soon, but thanks so much for being here, Em. Right back at you, my friend. Love you. Well, everybody, we have made it to the end of such an inspiring episode. From the moment I met Emma Hearn, I knew that she was going to be one of the most down-to-earth and honest people I have ever met. And she continues to have that ring true and she shared that part of herself with you today and I know I learned so much and I feel really lucky that she came out here and shared her story with us today so a big big thank you to Emma Hearn and if you would like to follow Emma some more you can do so on Instagram and the links to her page will be in the show notes of today's episode along with some links with different ways to connect with me shoot me a message on Instagram follow us send me an email. I want to know what you guys want to hear more of, what you liked, even just a nice hello. I really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to my podcast and to engage with me via social media and the interwebs. And yeah, what was I saying? (laughs) Well, everybody, I think that's the, the end of such a wonderful episode. Again, thank you for being here today. Another big thank you to Emma for coming here and sharing her heart and her soul and her story with us today. Have a wonderful week and I will see you all next time on Let's Take It From The Top.